You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Amen. Remain standing. Everyone else stand with us as we read today from... Luke, the 19th chapter again. Luke 19, 12 through 26. Let me see if I can jump around in it. Verse 13, he called 10 of his servants. He delivered to them 10 minus or elements of money worth about 100 days wages. And he said to them, do business till I come. Traditional James says, occupy. Do business till I come. And the citizens hated him and sent him a delegation saying, we will not have this man reign over us. And it was so when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money. Everybody say he gave him money. To be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Occupy, trade till I come meant gain. He was expecting them to have increased. The first came and said, Master, your miner has earned 10 minus. And he said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, You've been faithful over a little. Now I have a thought over 10 cities. Second master, your mind has gained five minors. Likewise, he said, you also be over five cities. And another came, master, here is your minor. I have kept it away in a handkerchief. I feared you because you are an steer man. You collect what you did not deposit. We just saw he gave him money, right? That was his wrong thinking. You collect what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I'll judge you. Remember, by your words, you're going to be justified. Your words, you're going to be condemned. Out of your own mouth, I'll judge you, you wicked servant. You knew I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow, according to your own words. Why then did you not put my money in the bank Then at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to him, to those who stood by, take the minor from him and give it to him as 10. But they said, Master, he already has 10 minus. And he lays out a principle here, verse 26. But I say, everyone who has will be given. To everyone who has will be given. To everyone who has will be given. Who everyone who still has after God has given you and you're able to do something with it, God said, I'm going to give you more. Because you're showing that you're good stewardship. This is a, this is a principle of stewardship, okay? For, for if you're always broke, even after you have, then you're probably not being a good steward. Now, I'm not telling that to condemn anybody. I'm saying it based on my own experience. If I say to him that everyone that has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Father, bless your word again today as you have me to share what you've given me. And I thank you, Father, that these weeks of this message and this series about occupying and maximizing, understanding you've made an investment with us and understanding also what you want from that investment will resonate with us and manifest in our lives in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, we greet all of our first-time guests. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of new faces, so, and then again, maybe I'm just not seeing all the faces, because people, I, I see people, and I say, I, I ain't seen you in a while. They said, I sit in the back. 
And I guess my eyes not working all the way to the back these days. Come on, but if you're a first-timer here, wave at me today. Wave at me, first-timers. Come, just wave. I'm not asking you to stand. Just wave at me. Thank you so much for being with us. There's a lot of options you have in churches. So we, we count an honor and privilege that you've come to worship with us today. And so today's message, last week we talked about the great investment. This is a parable of showing how things work in the kingdom of God. Just as this businessman, just as the king, gave each of them an element of money, he invested in them. We looked at last week that he was a venture capitalist. And venture capitalists invest in an idea, believing he's going to have a significant return over time. And so he, this man was a venture capitalist, invested in each of them, Two of them, one of them produced it, produced um, uh, 100%, had 100% return. Y'all, that's pretty good, right? Another one came with 50% return. Even that's great, okay? You, there's not many things you can do, and, and you're going to get 50% back, okay? This, so even that's great. And then one of them came and said, here's what you gave me. I just took it and kept it in a cloth, and here... And he rebuked him for being wasteful and wicked in his thinking that he didn't even do the least thing. The least thing he could do is just put it in a regular savings account. Not the stock market, not in, a, not in an IRA, not in a 401k, not in a 403b, not in a 529 plan. Some of y'all don't know a clue what these are. Just hang, keep hanging around right direction and come. When, as we continue to teach, and we're going to be teaching later on. We usually do it in January, but we're going to be teaching on focus on finances. And so those are various, uh, um, those are very, various, various investment instruments. He didn't do any of that. He said, oh, you just could just put it in a basic savings account. At least I would have gotten some interest. And even now, y'all, um, some basic savings account. You can get 5% now. It's, we haven't seen anything like that in years. All right? So everybody should have at least a savings account. Amen. God said he'll bless your basket and your store. Your basket is what you live off of. Your store is what you're saving. God can't bless the store if you don't have any place to store it. That's a principle. Somebody needs to get that. And so we saw the investment last week, and I outlined the things looking spiritually that God has invested in us as his people. What God has invested in us, we have faith, we got angels to help us. We got the Holy Ghost. I give you power of all the power of the enemy. We have this treasure, this anointing. We have an unction from the Holy Ghost. We have the wisdom of God. And he does all those things so that we can be successful spiritually and naturally. Okay? I, I, want, I want good success. The Bible tells, I believe it's Joshua 1 and 8. God tells Joshua, if you meditate on his word day and night, uh, then you will, and, and observe to do all that's in, in it. He said, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So everybody say good success. Good success is success in every area of your life. Good, good, good success means whole life. Good success, which tells us also there could be bad success. Bad success, you got a lot of money, but you're sick and you, and you, can't, and you can't spend it. Okay, bad, bad success is that, yeah, you, you may have a lot of money and a lot of influence, but nobody likes you. Your children don't even talk to you. That's not good success. 
okay? Um, but bad, bad success is, is having a whole bunch of money, but you sleep with a gun under your pillow because you've gotten it in a legal way and worrying, some, worrying somebody's going to take it from you because you took it from them. See, that's bad success. So God doesn't want us to merely have success. He wants us to have good success. We saw the scripture that says, the blessing of the Lord, it does what? It maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. That's, that's good success. And so God's invested all these things in us. But today I want to talk about the time and the final message in this, in this series from this scripture here of Luke 19. And the message titled today is entitled, Return on the Investment. Return on the Investment. So in the stock market and regarding investment terminology, they refer to this as ROI, return on investment. Return on investment. I came across something, and I, I was, I was, and I really still thinking about it, praying about it. I came across, I went to look up one thing, and I came across this bond for this company who just raises money to invest in energy. And uh, they guaranteeing minimum, you know, put this much in it, it's a significant amount of money, but put this much in it, and, you, and for one year, 9%. Two years, 10%. Three years, 11%. Goes up to 15%. And y'all y'all know how once you look at something, the, the cookies now, every time I every time I look down on my phone, it's showing me that same thing, showing me I can invest and get this 9%. Okay? And but seriously, as much as that sounds enticing, I know God blesses me beyond 9%. And so I got to thinking. Do I want to lock up that much money, even over a year's time, to get 9% if I could just keep it, do what God tells me what to do with it when he tells me to do it and don't have to wait on man? And so that's called return on investment. God has invested in us, but he wants a return. He wants a return. Now, as a father... As a father of four grown adult children, okay, one of my greatest joys, as you can tell by the way I preach and teach and even talk about my kids sometimes, one of my greatest joys is to see that my children have made something of themselves and produced something with their life. Okay? Now, if I had, if I had, you know, given using Tyler here, for example, giving him private school education, paid for him to go to law school, took care of him while he was in law school. Okay, you know, he had this, you know, he had this fly apartment when he was in Baton Rouge. That helped him get the beautiful wife he got. She didn't know he wasn't paying for it, but he, he looked like that. So. Anyway, anyway um, now I did all that, and then he said, Dad, you know, I went to law school and invest all this hundreds of thousands, whatever, in my education. Ah. That ain't, that ain't what I want to do. I, I want to get a paper route. Because I heard that people in paper routes can make a lot of money, and I want to start a paper. I'm going to have a problem. Because that's not the return I was expecting on my investment. He don't have to give me regular money every month. He don't have to take care of me. But I want to, what I put in him to produce something in his life for him. I want to help him to be independent. Okay. Some, one of the reasons why I, 
it's not Father's Day. I always talk about this on Father's Day. But women got to understand, when a man, a good man who's independent, who takes care of his wife and takes care of his children, okay, and is a provider, wants to raise a son who will do the same. And because we want them to do that, there's time we're not concerned about their emotions. Okay? And I'm talking because so the wise, y'all, you know, you make gonna make them feel bad when you say that. No, he need to understand I meant that. Right now, I'm not concerned about his feeling because I'm, in, I'm not gonna be around forever. Okay? And I want, want to be independent. I want to see a return on my investment. So, so, so sometimes, so sometimes we have issues in marriages or, or the conflict between a man being so hard and the woman being so easy. Okay, and so especially, unfortunately, among African American men, we have so many African American young men who have been overfathered, I mean, overmothered and underfathered. Y'all don't have to like it, it's the truth. Okay, and that's why you still got, and it's not just among African Americans now, in America, 45% of those 25 to 35, 45 are still living at home. Yeah, that, that's a real statistic. 45%, okay? They live in their home traveling to Mexico. Don't y'all get mad at me now. Oh, no, no, no. You, have, no, you, you need, that's, that's apartment money. Y'all don't like me. No, no, no. You, our goal is to make you independent. Okay, and then when, so we do what you do, you put stuff in them, you set things up, and you want to see a return on your investment. Am I right, parents? Okay, you want to see them produce something. Pastor Marcia and I, we sacrifice time, energy, and money to start our children off well. We even made sacrifices when other people thought we were crazy because we, by choice at one point in our lives, decided we're going to have one income because somebody needs to be focused at home on these kids. And we could not do what everybody else in the church was doing. And we could not live like they were living. And we could not drive like they were driving. And at one point, I was assistant pastor of our church in, in, uh, in, in uh, Portland, Maine, and we were the brokest people in the church. It looked, it, but we were, we were sacrificing what we knew we needed to do to invest in our children. I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. I'm talking about what we did. Okay, and so we know we did those things, and and we know we could have done better with two incomes. And uh, at, at one point, at, at one point, it didn't make any sense to have two incomes. When 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 we looked at it, and we looked at, it, I said, you got to dress every day, you got to get your clothes clean, you got to get wet, wear stockings. That's that's back when women wore stockings. You young ladies, y'all don't know what stockings are today, but it, it used to women used to wear stockings. Okay, used to wear used to wear slips too. Somebody said, what's, what what's a slip? What's a slip? I got, I got good shoes on them. Yeah. And then we decided, but we realized it was best. And so good parents want their children to do well and live well. Amen? Look what the Bible says about that. 2 Corinthians 12 and 14, it says, For children ought not to lay up for the parents, 
but parents for the children, the latter part of that, the last part of it. Children ought not live for the parents, parents for the children. Paul said, I'm concerned about, I want to impart something to you. You're my spiritual children. Don't think I'm trying to take from you. I'm trying to impart something to you. I want to give something to you because children, here's the principle, don't live for the parents. Parents live for the children. John writes to the church that, that, that he, uh, if you allow me to say, apostolized over or planted. He says in 3 John 1 and 4, he said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. He said, no greater joy than to see that you're serving God and you're doing well. That's the return on my investment in you. And when children don't do well, those of you who are second and third generation here in right direction, you are the children we're talking about. When children don't do well, it can bring shame and embarrassment to their parents. Now, a good parent is never going to say, I'm ashamed of you. A good parent is never going to say, you are an embarrassment to me. No parent would ever say that, and I'm encouraging you not to say it. And if you have said it, take it back. Okay? But you can feel that way. You can feel that way. I've invested too much in you to live like this. I spent too much teaching you the word of God for you to be shacking up like somebody who don't know any better. Y'all. I taught you too much the word of God for you to be changing men and women every month and sleeping with all of them. Y'all don't like me. And I... I I expected more of you than this. And so when children don't do well, it can bring shame and embarrassment to the, to the family, to the parent. But that's in the word too, Proverbs 28 and 7. Proverbs 28 7, give you that from three translations. New, New King James says, whoever keeps the law is a discerning son. What's the law? The law of God, walking the principle of the word. But a companion of gluttons shames his fathers. He said, but the folks you're hanging out with it's an embarrassment to me. New Living Translation. Young people who obey the law are wise. Those who, with wild friends bring shame to their parents. It's quiet up in this Presbyterian church with your wild friends. That verse on Message Translation says, practice God's law, get a, get a reputation for wisdom, but hang out with loose with a loose crowd, and you embarrass your family. Am I making this up, or is this in the Word? So if we can understand that as natural parents, with our natural families, you need, you need to understand, likewise, God, our Heavenly Father, has done so much for us. He's invested so much in us that he wants a good ROI. He wants a return on his investment. I shed my blood for you. I sent my son to you. I gave you the Holy Ghost. I gave you wisdom. I walk with you. I talk with you. I lead you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. I caused you to walk beside the green pastures. I caused you to, to, to walk beside, to, to lie down in green pastures and walk beside still waters and this is all you give me? God wants to return on the investment he's made in us. The Bible shows us in 2 Chronicles, 32nd chapter, and 25, verse 25. Now, Hezekiah was a great man. He was a great king. 
uh, God, he's one of, he was one of the most blessed financially men since Solomon. Not as much as Solomon. God promised Solomon there'll never be a man on earth as prosperous as I made you. But Hezekiah, God bless him, and I, I preached about this in the past. I preached a message one time called When God is Challenged about Sennacherib. Sennacherib said, don't, don't y'all listen to your king Hezekiah talking about what your God going to do. I'm going to come and I'm going to take over your land. I'm going to plummet all of you. And God was challenging. And Hezekiah goes before the Lord and they were against his great army. And God delivered him out of, out of the hands of Sennacherib and defeated that army. And then we, we remember the story that Hezekiah was sick unto death. And Isaiah, uh, uh, was Isaiah? Um, Elijah go, goes and says to him, he says, get your house in order because you're going to die and not live. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed. And God healed him, took away the terminal illness and added 15 years onto his life. How many of us heard that? And so we see what God did for him. He blessed him financially. He blessed his kingdom. He, he helped him defeat his enemies. He healed him of a terminal illness and added to his life. But then we read this in 2 Chronicles 32, 25. But Hezekiah did not repay. Repay who? Repay God. Repay God according to the favor shown him. Why? Because his heart was lifted up. He got full of pride. After all God did, he felt like... Look what I've done. I'm a bad dude. As a matter of fact, don't even call me Hezekiah anymore. Call me Hezzy. <laughs> yeah, I'm Hezzy now. I'm King Hezzy. All right? But he did not repay according to the favor shown. His heart was lifted up. He got full of pride. Therefore was the wrath, therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. And God said, I'm going to bring judgment on the nation because you have not given me a return on investment. You have not repaid me according to how I blessed you. Deuteronomy 10, 12 and 13, and then verse 20, it asks us some questions. It says, now, O Israel, what does the Lord God require of thee? I've been, me I've been meditating on this. What does the Lord God require of you? That tells us there's some things that God requires of us. As a matter of fact, in the context that I was thinking about this, because he says, Israel, what does God require of thee? In the context I was thinking about this, I realized that uh, God has some requirements for some people that are more than others. And you got to know that. Sometimes we're measuring every, our lives based upon everybody else. Okay? I've seen preachers and pastors get away with all kinds of stuff. Okay, really. I mean, seriously, y'all. I'm like, and they look like they're still doing well. Look like their ministry's still going. Look like this and that, and and and. Uh, but I know Spirit said, "Don't you even try it. Don't don't even think about it." Okay. The Bible says that the righteous is more more excellent than his neighbor, but he gets he gets perverted, he gets he gets tricked by comparing himself to other people. Uh, the Bible says that uh, God, God had to tell David. He said, fret not yourself over evildoers, you know, and, 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 uh, and compare yourself to them who look like they're, they're, they're successful, who look like they're not serving God. He said, but he said, they're in a slippery place. You see them today, but you ain't going to see them tomorrow. So here's one of the things I think about. It's the key to my life, y'all. I think longevity. Everybody say Longevity. Okay, now we know Martin Luther King did not live very long, lived, got, got murdered at 38. 
But the night before he got murdered, he, he, he confessed. Longevity has its place. Longevity does have its place. I don't want folks saying, you remember back in the 90s when God was blessing Bishop Bailey? You remember back in the early 2000s when it looked like right direction was prospering? I don't want to be a has-been. Anybody with me here? I don't want to, I don't want to be a has There are certain people, it's just a shame when we think about them, okay? And some names we don't use. We use names like MJ. Because we don't want to disparage the names. <laughs> Y'all so funny. You use names like Dr. Huxtable. But y'all know who MJ and Dr. Huxtable is. And we can go on. People who were thriving at one point, but they didn't end well. I don't want things to end well. Come on now, okay? There, there, were, there, there was somebody who, who died recently, a, a, a noted bishop in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, and many of you know who I'm talking about. And, uh, but I, I, was, I was very much influenced by his ministry as a young minister. Part of my comedic flow came from me watching him, who could be serious and break down the Greek and then also make you laugh. All right? We had the same kind of background. And so... When I even did a tribute to him online, I had to go back and talk about what he did in the 90s. And I think I ended by saying, may his works speak for him. What am I talking about? What, the works he did in the 90s, because it didn't end well. Are y'all with me here? I want longevity. Come on now. The Bible says if we meditate on the word day and night, we'll be like a tree planted by the river of water. We bring forth our fruit in our season. But then here's the longevity part. His leaf shall not wither. Come on. His leaf shall not wither. I don't want a leaf that withers. I want a leaf that doesn't wither. The Bible talks about in heaven that the fruit of the trees, okay, that it, it brings forth fruit consistently. I don't want to be a has-been. If you don't want to be a has-been, I, I, I say this a couple weeks ago, you got to think long and wide. I know this is real good now. You got to think long and wide. I know that tattoo look real good now while, you know, while you're up and pushing out. But there's going to come a time they're going to be low. That tutu going to be stretched out. People, what is that, taffy? You got to think long and wide. Everything good now ain't going to be good later. I want longevity. So God asks, what's the Lord require of you? Deuteronomy 10 and 12, but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve, him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. See, God, God requires, that's Old Testament. But can I tell you, God still requires that of you. He still wants us to fear him, respect him. He still wants us to walk in all his ways. He still wants us to love him. He still wants us to serve him with all our heart, with all our soul, and to keep his commandments. And his New Testament says his, his commandments are not grievous, that we love one another. You shall, verse 20 says, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, 
And to him you should hold fast and take oaths in his name. So God still has requirements of us. He wants a return on his investment. So what does God want us to return? What does return on God's investment look like? Malachi 3 and 7, in the context of Malachi 3, he, he mentions the tithe, but the whole scripture and book of Malachi wasn't about the tithe. It was about not respecting him. It was about not honoring him and not, about not putting him first. And he uses the tithe as an example to show that they didn't respect him. He said, you know what I required of you. You know what I said, but you don't put weight on what I say. That's the whole context of it. You know, we, we, we try to beat folks over with the tithe about, about you know, you're cursed with a curse. The, the point was, God said, I want respect. I want honor. And I've blessed you too much for you to disrespect me. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.